You are listening to the FDNY Pro Podcast featuring members of the New York City Fire Department. We want to share stories from the field, best practices, lessons learned, and help save lives. Hi, Pro listeners. Welcome back to Pro EMS Podcast. I'm your host, Captain Elizabeth Cassio, and today we have with us Chief Darnowski from the FDNY EMS Academy. Welcome, Chief. Glad to be here. So today we're going to talk about CPR, specifically bystander CPR, and how a member of the public can learn CPR, right? Because the chain of survival when it comes to surviving cardiac arrest is very dependent on somebody starting CPR immediately. That's correct. And the most important thing about the chain of survival is the chain is only as strong as the weakest link. And the three first links are pretty reliant on the public's involvement. In case our listeners don't know, the FDMY has tasked the Mobile CPR Unit with training the public in life-saving skills. The free program offers detailed instruction on performing compressions-only CPR, through which participants can gain the knowledge and skills to make a difference in someone's life. Since its inception, the unit has trained more than 125,000 New Yorkers in compressions-only CPR, and the number of people trained has been steadily increasing. The unit has also developed a partnership with the New York City Department of Education, where it ensures that all high school students have a familiarization in CPR before graduation in the hopes that they will be ready to help out in times of crisis. So that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we get into the weeds about public access and bystander CPR, how long have you been with AMS? In my 22nd year. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) How long have you been at the EMS Academy? I've been at the EMS Academy since March of 2016. And CPR training for the public is one of your responsibilities? That is correct. Tell us about the program that exists out at the EMS Academy. The program was started in 2006 by Chief John McFarland. It was as a result of the American Heart Association's change in CPR guidelines in 2005. The American Heart Association recommended compression only or hands-on CPR for the general public. There was a reluctancy to do mouth-to-mouth during CPR. The mobile CPR unit has the ability to come to you and teach you CPR, in essence, like a mobile classroom. That's interesting. What do they use, like a trailer? Uh, We have sprinter-style vans that we come to you with. We have all the equipment that we need. We can either set up in a space provided by the venue, or we are self-sufficient. We do have tents that we can set up and run a class inside of the tent. That's interesting. So you bring the mannequins to wherever the class is going to be taught? Correct. We bring the mannequins. We actually have audiovisual setups that we have, TVs. We have DVD players, computers, speakers, everything we need to run it by ourselves if we need to. So you bring all of this equipment to the site where you're going to teach compressions-only CPR. You have mannequins. You said you have audiovisual devices. How does all of this get utilized in that space for me to learn compressions-only CPR? The instructors will, if we have to set up a classroom ourselves, they'll set up everything, the audiovisual stuff, the screens, the TVs, the DVD players, the speakers, towards the front of the room, and they will line out the mannequins, usually in rows of six to eight on each row, as far back as they can go, depending on the audience that they're teaching. And they will play the video. They'll give an introduction video of what the people are going to learn, what the unit is about, early recognition of certain things, 
You mean certain emergencies? Certain emergencies, mainly heart attacks, which is sudden cardiac events. They will then run through the steps of performing compressions only CPR, how to check responsiveness, how to determine if the patient is not breathing and will need the chest compressions. And they'll show the video and then there's practice time after the video to make sure everyone's doing it correctly. The instructors will check the form, check the depth that you're pushing to make sure it's being done correctly. And they'll provide any necessary feedback, positive or negative, to get the student to perform the exact way that they will need to do it in real life. Correct. How many students can you take on at one time? The student-to-instructor ratio is six students to one instructor. So it's dependent upon how many uh, instructors you have? How many instructors we have, the size of the classroom, correct. And then you need one mannequin per student? Per student, yes. Uh, So then that would be a lot of equipment the larger the class gets. You have a logistical issue of moving all of these people and all of this equipment, so you would need to limit class size to some extent. To some extent, yes, we do limit class size. But for instance, at the high schools, when we go to the high schools, they'll block out a four-hour period where they'll have groups rotate through. So in that four-hour period, they'll get 200 people through. That's a lot. Depending on the amount of instructors that we have. It's just not 200 at one time. Correct. If I had a very large group similar to this 200 students in a high school, that would be one way of doing it, that we do it over a block of time where they rotate in and out based on maintaining that student-instructor ratio. That is correct. Of six to one. Correct. How long does it take to teach someone compressions only or hands only CPR? The overall familiarization class is approximately 30 minutes. Wow. That's pretty quick. And so at the end of 30 minutes, I'm good to go? I can do compressions-only CPR, or is there some additional practice time or something like that? Uh, At the end of 30 minutes, the students will have a working knowledge of compressions-only, hands-only CPR. Wow, that's great. That's not a big time investment. No, it's not, but the experience that you get and the knowledge you get will be priceless. I totally agree with that. Who are some of our other members of the general public who come looking for compressions-only CPR training? We get a lot of requests from community boards. We get requests from some colleges. We've gotten requests from some of the like the Greek houses on campus. The sororities have requested. Uh, we get a lot of requests from the high schools because the current program is established that all high school students by the time of graduation have to have a familiarization with CPR. So we do get a lot of requests from schools that we go out and teach at. Tell us about the staff that's assigned to the CPR unit. How does somebody get involved? The staff right now is EMS Academy instructors that are also CPR instructors as all instructors are. They are assigned to Lieutenant Barrero. He has a staff of four EMTs right now and one light duty member that answers the phones and does the scheduling for him. Uh, The team goes out to various events throughout the city, whether it be the high schools or community events. We are looking to expand the unit right now. With the assistance of the FDNY Foundation, we've reached out to some retired EMS members that have taught before and have CPR certifications and we'll be bringing them on board in a per diem status to help us expand the unit. Oh, that's a good idea. So you have to be an FDNY EMS employee or now in this case retiree to participate in teaching the program. That's accurate? That's correct. So they bring a lot of experience into that classroom, too. I'm sure that the the student population typically appreciates the level of experience they're bringing into learning this compressions-only CPR. Yes. We have most of the instructors are seasoned instructors, and Lieutenant Pereira does teach occasionally when needed. 
So him himself, he has 20 years of experience as well. And the instructors average five to 15 years of experience each. Realistically, there's only a small percentage of patients who go into cardiac arrest who can be revived, right? So there's not everyone who goes into cardiac arrest can be revived, but there is a small percentage that can. The real necessary ingredient is the person doing CPR, right? And it's got to be near immediate to improve the chances that that person will be able to survive this cardiac arrest episode. So learning compressions only or bystander CPR is a major piece, as you had mentioned. The chain is as strong as its weakest link, right? So without that piece, and we know anecdotally, right? You and I know anecdotally, more often than not, somebody is not doing bystander CPR when we arrive, right? That is correct. And like we said earlier, the chain's only as strong as is the weakest link. And the first three links in the chain of survival are very public and bystander dependent. Uh, it ranges from early intervention, early recognition, all the way to us arriving on scene and getting the patient to definitive care. The first three links really require that bystander standing next to them to get things moving. Right. Every minute that a patient goes without oxygen or without chest compressions, their chances of survival decrease by 10% every minute. That's a significant amount of time. And so they have to recognize, they being the bystander, the person who witnesses this event occur, they have to recognize, I need to call for help, right, to calling 911. And ideally, they can act, right? So And so if you've learned bystander compressions only CPR, then you can act. We could also give um, instructions over the telephone when somebody calls 911 and they tell us the patient doesn't have a pulse. We have dispatchers who will give instructions over the phone, but I think all anybody would agree that if they had had a chance to learn this prior to the event happening, they would feel more comfortable providing the care, more confident. Right. Absolutely. Most people tend to learn by doing hands-on. Right. And someone giving you an instruction over the telephone, they're not able to give you the correct landmark. You're hoping that the person on the other end of that phone is understanding the direction that you're giving them. Right. And in a time of crisis, people really aren't listening to everything that you're telling them. Right. So if they've had that experience before on a mannequin, they'll have an understanding of what they have to do. Right. That's an excellent point because it is a skill, right? I wouldn't tell you over the phone how to ride a bicycle. Correct. Right? <laughs> and so it is a skill. Like any other skill, compressions only CPR is a skill. And so it would be better learning it in an environment where someone can provide feedback. They can say, no, move a little this way, go a little bit deeper. There's some sort of feedback that gives you the confidence when it does happen, right? And I think Probably we as first responders, particularly in the world of EMS, we know that the majority of cardiac arrests don't even happen out in the public. The majority of cardiac arrests are happening in people's homes or in some other private venue, maybe at work, right, because you do spend a significant amount of time at work. So what that means is the majority of times that you would be called upon to do compressions-only CPR is likely to be somebody you know, somebody you care about, somebody who's important to you, which I think should really be a message that we get out there to people so that they understand we're not just asking you to be available to help a stranger. We're asking you to be available to help somebody you care about. Absolutely, and you're absolutely right that most of these incidents do happen at home, around a loved one or someone you care about in the family's house. It is very important that you can make the difference in that person's life. How awesome would it be that you can say, I helped you, you're still here because of what I helped you with. 
Well, and we know that when an emergency happens, what's the most common reaction? The feeling of helplessness. Absolutely. Right? With the exception of the people who do this for a living, uh, obviously we don't feel helpless because we have the skills to provide the, the help that's needed. But for the untrained person, the most common experience would be this sense of helplessness. What do I do? How can I make this better? How can I help? And compressions only, hands only CPR is a way that anyone and everyone can help. Really, we can teach that skill to anyone who is able to get on the knees and use their hands to compress the chest. Correct. Right? Absolutely. Other than that, there's really no limitation of who can learn this. And we've had kids learning CPR, right? Compressions only CPR. That, that is correct. There is really no limitation. As long as you can physically do it, chances are you'll be effective. The CPR unit, which, as you mentioned earlier, was started by Chief John McFarland. He was a real believer in getting people to learn compressions only CPR. He really was driven. We could say he was driven. I say was because Chief McFarlane is a victim of 9-11 illness. But it requires funding, right? It requires a lot of money to buy all of the equipment that's needed. In this case, because it's a mobile CPR unit, we have vehicles involved, um, which ups the ante on how much it's costing. And so for our CPR unit, within the FDNY EMS. That funding is provided by the FDNY Foundation, who provides funding for many fire and life safety programs, this being one of those life safety programs, CPR training, compressions only CPR training. So we know it takes a lot of money, a big budget, to do the type of mobile CPR training program that we're doing. What advice would you give our listeners who are all over the world with how they can start something similar or do something to encourage the members of their community, uh, the lay people, to learn compressions-only CPR? One of the most important factors is, like we said earlier, even if you save that one person, it's going to make a huge difference. And the way we get most people on board is, like I said earlier, it's not necessarily helping that person you don't know because you can make a difference in anyone's life. But we really get people on board with helping the loved one. When we put it into their life and make it personal, mm -hmm. people get it more, people understand it more, and it really hits home, and it makes them more willing to learn something that can potentially save a life. Right, right. I think not having to do mouth-to-mouth -mouth anymore is also a tremendous advantage. It is a tremendous advantage. Most people were very reluctant to do it. Uh, and the studies have shown that within the first minutes of a sudden cardiac event, uh, that there's enough oxygen remaining in the blood, that just a simple chest compression and circulating the blood is enough to make a huge difference. Mm, that's a good point. So how do I have you come out and teach uh, compressions only, hands only CPR class? How would it say I'm a person out in the public and I... I'm listening to this podcast. Although most of our listeners are first responders, we do have some listeners who are not trained and would hear this and say, wow, I can learn compressions only CPR. I don't have to do mouth to mouth. I can do that. How would they call you up and say, hey, I want to learn this compressions only CPR? They can go on the fdnysmart.org website and follow the prompts to sign up for a mobile CPR class. They can also go on the New York City Fire Department's homepage, and there will be a prompt there as well that they can learn CPR. How far will you travel to teach compressions-only CPR? We will travel anywhere within the city of New York. We are working on something right now to live stream a class. So if I'm working in a small system, 
And we have a lot of volunteer systems all over the country, particularly in New York State, providing EMS. If I don't have the funding source, there are options like the American Red Cross, right, uh, the American Heart Association, where maybe they can provide the compressions-only CPR training if a community isn't able to do it, say, within their EMS system or within their volunteer system. That's correct. The American Heart Association, whose curriculum that we follow, and the American Red Cross do provide training as well. And then once we start our internet streaming, all they'll need is a mannequin. Maybe they can rent it. That's correct. There's probably somebody out there renting CPR <laughs> mannequins. Oh, maybe it's a business I should get into. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> when I retire. <laughs> That's right. Now, all kidding aside, this is a really important topic. And much like Chief McFarlane, I'm a big believer in it. I tell people all the time, the majority of cardiac arrests happen in the home. Yes, they do. And it's going to be somebody you care about. More often than not, when you're the witness, it's going to be somebody you care about. Absolutely. Chief, it was great having you here. Glad to be here. Thank you for sharing this important information. I hope that our listeners step away from this inspired to do something similar in their own system. And if they're not already a first responder, inspired to learn compressions-only CPR. One of the most important things, I think, is you can make a difference in someone's life. Yeah, I agree. And who doesn't want to make a difference? Deep down, I think that is something that all human beings share in common. Everybody wants to make a difference. Yes. Well, thanks again for being here. Thank you. Pro listeners, thanks for being here. Tune in next time when we talk to another EMS professional. I am your host, Captain Elizabeth Cassio. Until then, stay safe. FDNY Pro is online at fdnypro.org. Subscribe today and get inside access to the FDNY. Learn more about our publications, professional conferences, and other tools for first responders. Train with New York's Bravest. 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, 365 days a year. And when seconds count, the men and the women of the FDNY are there for us to protect us and keep us safe when the unthinkable happens. No matter the challenge, no matter the danger, our firefighters and EMTs serve with honor, dedication, and bravery. New York's bravest are there for us. Let's be there for them. Your support of the FDNY Foundation ensures that the world's best fire department has the world's best training, equipment, and education. Go to fdnyfoundation.org and help New York's bravest save a life today.